bringing the outdoors to your ears, this is Rama On by Drift, a student publication at the University of Texas. Welcome back to Ramble On. My name is Elizabeth Jimenez, and I'll be your host for today. It's January right now, and for a lot of people, this month represents the start of something new. It's a brand new year, the newest season of our podcast, and a chance to start that hobby you've been dying to try. And today's show is all about that, the new beginnings starting all around us. We'll talk about the tensions that come with change, a business picking up the pieces and starting from scratch, and the way new transitions can change us. But first, we'll hear from the staff about the stories they covered and maybe even some of their own new journeys. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Amber. Hi, I'm Ferdos. Hi, I'm Juliana. So on the theme of new beginnings, is anyone starting a new beginning themselves this season, whether it's a resolution or just, I don't know, starting the new school year, looking forward to anything? I definitely would like to get more sleep this semester. So that's my mini resolution. This is my first year of stability and knowing where I'm going to be for a while um, that I've had. And I want to say like five or six years. So I'm looking forward to just kind of having a clean sleep. And uh, and my resolution is to just be consistent in my uh, consistency era. Kind of in the same boat with you. Um not really a new beginning more so just kind of doubling down on the same habits that I hope to have throughout the year which are organization being on top of things doing the things I don't want to do but I know I should do that are good for me and just overall taking good care of myself I guess kind of going off of that why do you think it's important to start a new beginning and it doesn't necessarily have to be at the start of January or new year but why is it important for people to kind of just start fresh I think that's one of the really beautiful things about um, the trials and tribulations that we go through. We have the ability to start anew uh, when and where we decide that, you know, we can. And um, I think new beginnings really symbolize grace, the grace that we give ourselves when we go through hard times and the grace that time and the universe gives us. I I love new beginnings. I mean, I think I have a new beginning (laughs) like every day. I think also newness brings freshness and excitement and it um, sometimes even if things are going great in your life you just need to change your routine to get inspired again so having this kind of time of year whether I know January is kind of arbitrary but it sometimes gives us a little excuse to add some variety into our life kind of talking a little bit more about y'all stories in particular what's kind of the back story behind these stories or kind of what made you even pitch it in the first place yeah, well, my story is about um, Texas French Bread, which is a, a bakery that's been around since the 80s, and how they've gone through a drastic change the same time last year, and how they are um, kind of starting anew with that whole process. So New Chapters was inspired by the new beginnings that I'm experiencing in my own life, but really by the new experiences that a lot of the members of the community that has, that has uplifted me through my transitions um is going through and i have been most surprised by the flow that they have in their changes Uh, we all have very different experiences and um i think when i've when i've thought about change there's like a lot of ways that i just think about myself and how things change in relation to myself 
there are changes that I've played a role in for other people's lives that I wanted to to share and to gain insight on. Yeah, I wanted to think about how people in Austin usually have new beginnings. So I talked about the Barton Springs Polar Plunge, which is an annual New Year's Day tradition. And I thought it was really cool talking to all of these different people who were super passionate about maintenance and upkeep and restoration of the springs and the broader Zilker Park area and how they're bringing their new ideas and opinions to different changes that are going to be brought into the future of our parks. What's something you learned about this uh, story that you pitched or something that like really surprised you when reporting? As a local, like original Austin person myself, businesses that have been around for a while have a special place in my heart and I've seen so many of them close over the years. So I was particularly excited to learn about this business and how they're persevering, persevering through their challenges. While I was interviewing, I was really surprised at how emotional I got through the three interviews. Um, I got to interview two of my close friends and my mom. And I'm not someone who cries a lot. And I know that that's <laughs> something I should probably work through. But um, it doing these interviews served as a time of reflection um, for myself and for the people that I was talking to. Boy, I learned a lot through the different people that I got to interview. I went in thinking I was just going to be speaking with these different advocates through their individual organizations about the work that they do for restoration of the springs, and I ended up learning so much more about these different future potential plans for Zilker Park, and it was just super eye-opening and even enlightening to learn about how passionate some of these people are who have been putting literal decades of their lives into these public areas that give so much to all of these people. So you all kind of mentioned that the stories you reported on, um, you learned a lot and they really like kind of struck a chord with you or are important to you. So why is it important that we cover the story? With anything regarding Zilker Park and Barton Springs, this is something that impacts everyone in Austin because it is a metropolitan park. It serves the people. So like I mentioned, it's just really cool to hear about how all of these different people with such long-standing histories with these public spaces and with the city have such differing opinions and viewpoints for how things can be taken forward and these new beginnings that can be taken So I thought it was definitely something that should be reported on because it's something that in some way can be applicable to anyone who lives here. I have a deep appreciation for hearing about the diversity of experiences, and I really hope that when people listen, they can kind of resonate with um, the idea that when we start anew, it doesn't have to look in a a particular way. We don't have to um, have one rigid path for things. And I think that I know I'm personally someone who falls into that mentality a lot. In my opinion, small businesses are the backbone of Austin. And we've seen many of them close over the years. Um, But a lot of people grow up like me in Austin, um, having made memories at these local like bakeries and coffee shops like Texas French Bread. And so I think this story is important because it kind of um, helps to keep the 
business history alive and also spread awareness with other people who may not have known about some of the histories of our town. Yeah, one of the most beautiful things about Austin is its long-standing, deep, rich culture and history. And with that, all of these people who have lived through all of this comes all of that passion and love and desire to have a say and an impact in the future of Austin as well. The crazy thing is that Austin has experienced so many changes, but, you know, that culture of appreciation for local businesses has kind of been unwavering. And that really shows us that even in new beginnings, despite how many shifts we go through, there's a like a culture of unity that kind of keeps something the same and it keeps a really strong foundation so that even when you go through shifts as a collective, you're able to kind of, I don't know, have some sort of grounding. What was your favorite part about the story? Um, For me, because I was actually at Barton Springs on New Year's Day documenting everyone's new beginnings, it was actually just super heartwarming seeing everyone there with their families, people there with their children, um, huge groups of people all there together. Everyone was just in a great mood, celebrating each other, wishing everyone a happy New Year's. And then I myself got to take a plunge in the springs as well and have a super relaxing morning after I was done with my reporting. So it felt like I was actually taking part in the tradition and contributing to this whole lively community event um, that is the heart of Austin. My favorite part was interviewing my mama. I have not sat down and had a conversation with her about the big shift that we both went through. And a lot of it was because I felt guilty about leaving. And this is a little bit of, I guess, spoilers for, you know, the the interview, but um, it was a healing conversation that I think we both needed. What do you want people to take away from listening to your story or just the New Beginnings episode as a whole? I hope that people take away that change is a blessing and that the ability to start anew is a blessing. When we have to make decisions about our path and how we're going to move forward with things, there's a lot of resistance and insecurity that we have and a lot of fear, a lot of questions about whether or not we're taking you know, the right decision and, and making the right move. But I think if, if I learned anything from these interviews, it was that in hindsight, like everything is 2020. You know, those changes, those sacrifices that you made, they're worth it. This does not have to do with my story, but I think... One big lesson that I have continually um, tried to teach myself and accept is that change is the only constant in life and to resist it is only to bring suffering upon yourself because there there is no there is no resisting it. Change is going to come about whether you like it or not. So there there are the only two paths of embracing it and making the most that you can with whatever situations you are presented with or holding on to a past that really no longer is reality. I used to be so afraid of change. I wouldn't even, I didn't even like untying my shoelaces. That's how afraid of change I was. And now I think that the the idea that I can change is what keeps me going. And it's, it's this, like, it's like my superpower now that I can just kind of shift whenever I want and, um, and improve. My takeaway is that the story of Texas French bread was also a story of a lot of different new starts or little iterations or new beginnings, if you will. Um, and that even though it's such a 
old business and these changes can make it feel different, there are still ways that um, you can maintain your legacy and hold on to your core values um, with these new beginnings. And just to add on, I think when we start new beginnings, we're really afraid that we're going to lose parts of ourselves, and that we're really scared about who the version of ourselves that we're going to meet. But there's a lot of beauty in being able to kind of say goodbye to the version of you that, that once was and to grieve that version of yourself. And I think that when we embrace it, when we embrace change, we are giving this, ourselves the space to grieve the version of ourselves that once was. And that's a really beautiful thing. I think that's what I wish I would have known when I was younger and kind of resisted change for so long that even if change does occur, I have the ability to grieve what once was, but I can enjoy the person that I am now. First, we'll hear from Juliana Thompson. In her story, we'll hear about the difficulties that come from starting fresh. Barton Springs, the heart and soul of Austin, Texas. Located in Zilker Park, the spring-fed pool is widely treasured for its natural beauty and consistent year-round swimming temperatures, drawing in visitors and locals from all walks of life. For many native Austinites, the start of every new year starts right here, with a plunge into the spring's crystal-clear waters. Ready? The Barton Springs New Year's Day Polar Plunge isn't really an organized event. It's more so a popular word-of-mouth tradition. This year, thousands of residents gathered here to dive into 2023. It's usually a good mix of newcomers and old-timers. People come, a friend brings them, or a family member, they have a great time and, and they want to come back and they bring others. It's an amazing community event. That's Bill Bunch, executive director and co-founder of the Save Our Springs Alliance. The Alliance is an Austin nonprofit dedicated to protecting the cultural heritage of Central Texas, with emphasis on water and native wildlife. Since 2006, Save Our Springs has been a cornerstone of the event by selling commemorative t-shirts. I think we first started selling the New Year's Day Polar Bear Splash t-shirts in 2006. That's the oldest one I could find in my drawer. Friends of Barton Springs Pool, a volunteer group dedicated to restoration of the pool, more recently began taking part. The two organizations' t-shirt designs and information booths are what many people have come to look forward to most about the plunge. It definitely reaches quite a few people. We sell 800 to 900 t-shirts on a single day, which is more than we sell a whole rest of the year. People do love them. They love jumping in the springs on New Year's Day, and they like to have a, an event t-shirt to commemorate that. This year's outreach looked a little different. These organizations were not just advocating for Barton Springs, but for the future of Zilker Park. With Austin's booming population bringing in growing numbers of regular park visitors, the city has been grappling with how to address several concerns regarding long-term sustainability. 
As Mike Kanati of Friends of Barton Springs Pool puts it, it's being overused and it's being left to death. And so many people come here. I mean, look at you know. In November, the City of Austin's Parks and Recreation Department unveiled a draft Zilker Park Vision Plan, a plan to address problems the park currently faces with new developments. Some ideas include adding new parking garages, restoring 90 acres of damaged parkland, and a new pedestrian land bridge that connects the north and south sides of the park over Mopac Express Lane. Friends of Barton Springs Pool is one of 16 organizations endorsing the plan. People come here and they just kind of damage it in the process. So what the vision plan can do is find a way to design it so that when people come here, they don't destroy it. That's at a real high level, the idea of making it greener and sustainable and accessible and all these things at the same time. Mike says that he believes change is vital for Zilker Park's longevity. And that change is why it's, to me, it's so important to find the things that really matter and make sure they're preserved and stewarded and taken care of. If this place became obliterated, you know, that's the soul of Austin. Who cares about Austin if places like this are no longer part of it? So we're trying to find a way to work together to protect, and not only protect, which sometimes just means freeze and don't change, but we're trying to leverage the growth. You know, there's all this money coming to town. Well, let's find a way to pull it in to taking care of the beloved places that we treasure. Karen Blizzard, project manager of the Zilker Collective Impact Working Group, has been coming to the Springs since she was a toddler. My mom would bring me to Barton Springs, like from the age of three or four. We would go to the shallow end, and you know, it's so clear. She would like drop little pennies down there and like dive down and get them. She says her memories with the park drive her passion in working with the city on this project. We feel that the vision plan finds that balance that our groups are advocating for. And the balance is between ecological restoration and repairing all the degradation and making it ecologically more healthy, but also enabling better access for more visitors because the population is continuing to grow. People come from all over Austin. It's not a neighborhood park. For supporters, the developments are an opportunity to accommodate Austin's growth while maintaining the park's ecological integrity. But others worry the overdevelopment of Zilker ruins its role as a natural safe haven in the heart of a heavily urbanized city. With our increasing population, it is hard to manage the human impacts on the park. But a lot of what we're seeing and what's proposed is making those impacts worse with huge construction projects for parking garages, new event venues, a welcome plaza, an information center, all of those, in my view, would do real environmental damage in addition to costing enormous sums of money and are really designed to make the park more of a year-round commercial venue. The Save Our Springs Alliance heavily advocated against the plan. They collaborated with groups like the Zilker and Barton Hills Neighborhood Associations to develop a counter-resolution project called Rewild Zilker. We're proposing that we reforest some significant areas of the park and take actions to protect the watershed upstream from Barton Springs, as well as restore the stream bank below the springs so that the park is more of a nature park that invites people to escape urban life and connect with a bit of nature here in the heart of the city. Bill says that restoration and reforestation is consistent with city surveys of what Austin residents want from their parks. 
they've decidedly said they, they want trails and nature and they don't really want developed you know buildings and structured playgrounds and so our plan contrasts rather sharply with the plan that's been proposed by the city's consultant there's definitely sort of two paths forward for the park that are on the table for consideration by interested citizens by the parks board and the city council in the weeks and months ahead Leopold Lefebvre, who grew up in Austin, told me this was his seventh year partaking in the polar plunge. That is one of the main reasons I live in Silverwood, so my family can go here. I love this place. It's a very significant place. Many lifelong citizens like him can see both solutions bringing about wanted and unwanted changes. I like the idea of, first of all, having a path for wildlife to cross from either side of the park, as well as people. And I like the ecological uplift of planting to stop erosion and uh, better paths in general so it's safer for the environment and people and animals. I'm not a fan of the proposed parking garages. Everyone wants to maintain what Austin is to them, which at first was, you know, really hippie, low rent, a lot of art in the city. Like, I remember when they put up this sidewalk, people were complaining, they're like, oh man, Barton Springs is going to turn into this tourist attraction, and now it's uh, expanding even more because so many people are moving to the city. And of course, everyone wants to be in Austin for the public amenities, like this great park and pool, and how do you expect them to get here and not have parking spaces? Zilker Park is an integral part of Austin culture. It's people like Karen Blizzard's personal connections that bring about different perspectives on how to best preserve and protect it for decades to come. I always will be a steward of the park, and I always love the park in the springs. I want future generations and kids to be able to experience it the way that I did, you know. And so that just means we really need to invest in this park and give it the facelift and the love that it needs. This episode is not a comprehensive overview of the Rewild Zilker or Zilker Park vision plans. More information on each plan and the future of Zilker Park can be found on rewildzilker.org and austintx.gov slash zilkervision. For Ramble On, I'm Juliana Thompson. Next, we'll hear from Amber Williams. She reminds us that sometimes, to begin a new chapter, you have to look at where you started. It's a warm day in Austin. Standing in a shady courtyard, I watch people walk up to a silver airstream and leave with paper bags of fresh pastries. I'm at Texas French Bread. It's a bakery and bistro in Northwest Austin, over 40 years old. But the business hasn't always been serving customers from an Airstream. Actually, it was started from the kitchen of a baker named Judy Wilcott. 
My mother liked bread baking, and she also worked at the University of Texas and hated her job. That's Murph Wilcott, Judy's son, who now owns the business. Murph said, after friends asked his mom to bake for their restaurant, she quit her job and launched Texas French Bread. In the 1980s, it was just go, 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 just expand as fast as we could expand. The Wilcots hired bakers, added stoves, and turned an old electronics repair shop into a bakery. At first, they were just wholesale, but when locals wanted fresh baked goods, Judy tried something new. She started making croissants, and she started making coffee cakes, and you know, the bakers made sandwiches for themselves for lunch, so we were selling those too. Now so far, Judy only leased space for her business. But in 1986, she bought a building northwest of campus that would become the flagship location. Before the purchase, the building was an Italian restaurant and blues venue called the Rome Inn. People like Stevie Ray Vaughan and the fabulous Thunderbirds used to play there. That's Yves Monsey, who grew up going to Texas French Bread and now co-owns a record shop down the road. My partner at the shop, Mike Buck, played drums with the fabulous Thunderbirds, so he used to play inside that building. By 1995, Texas French Bread had expanded to 11 locations and a full menu of breads, cakes, coffees, and sandwiches. But as Austin grew, so did rent and competition. By the early 2000s, the business was in a lot of debt. It was really not clear whether the business was going to survive. So Murph, now co-managing the business, closed all but that one flagship store near campus. This freed him to cut costs, try new things, and build more personal relationships with the team. The last three or four years had been three or four of the most successful years I feel like we had ever had. But on the night of January 24th, 2022, things drastically changed. Karen, our bakery manager, called us at like 11 o'clock on a Monday night and said, there's fire. I told him to call the fire department and get out of the building. The Austin Fire Department arrived two minutes after the 911 call. Everyone got out safe and a group of bystanders gathered across the street as the building burned. And it was kind of just like, oh my God, is this, is this really happening? We're hearing from Hope Unger, who was there at the fire reporting for the Daily Texan. Hope shares videos with us for this story. They show smoke rising from the restaurant with flames reaching through the roof. The Austin Fire Department thinks the fire started from an oven duct. Maybe the way it was designed, it was a little too close to the wooden roof decking, and it sort of petrified that wood over a period of time. Murph could see the flames from his balcony. It was clear to me at that point that we weren't going to get open again, you know, possibly ever, but, you know, maybe for a long time. The building was destroyed. 
about $1.6 million lost. After the fire, staff members gathered at Backlot, a local bar north of the bakery. That has been like a spot of Texas French Run employees for years and years and years and years. That's Avery Thompson, a barista at the bakery. They all welcomed us and we were able to kind of commiserate together and talk and I think that was a really important night. But the staff were not the only ones grieving. Many longtime customers, like Jennifer Ritz, were also deeply saddened. I woke up the next morning and just burst into tears. Soon, friends and customers raised money for the business. Nearly $200,000 as of this recording. Somebody set up a GoFundMe and that was able to fund severance pay. But as spring came and funds ran low, Murph and his wife, Carissa, had to make a big decision. Should they try to reopen their bakery, or has the business run its course? By April, it's like, okay, we, we really don't have any money to just not decide what we're doing here. Around that time, the couple met with their friends, Aaron and Stacy Franklin, owners of Franklin's Barbecue. They're like, oh, you need a trailer? Why don't you just borrow ours? We have one sitting there that we're not using. The friends offered to lend their food trailer to Texas French Bread. There was something about that lunch with Aaron and Stacy that we just decided to give it a whirl. In the coming months, Murph and Carissa got a shared kitchen space, returned to farmer's markets, rehired staff, and bought the next door lot. By mid-November, the Airstream Bakery Garden was open for business. Jennifer couldn't wait to tell her friend. When I heard that this place was opening back up, I immediately texted Amy the Instagram post and I was like, they are opening tomorrow. Why do customers flock to Texas French bread? Well, partly for the food. We have had a lot of Hyde Park fudge cakes, raisin pecan bread. The lunch special was like the thing. But customers also like the bakery for the personal connections made there. Here's Avery again. It's really great to see the people that you really enjoy and get to like have awesome conversations with. There was one regular the other day that inspired me to start crocheting. So I'm going to start doing that in the new year. New Year's resolution, inspired by Maeve. Murph sees similarities between the new setup and the old days of Texas French bread. I feel like in some ways it's another step back towards what we did originally, where it was small and personal and we kind of felt connected to everybody. So what's next? Well, there's ideas of adding to the outdoor service and possibly partnering with developers to rebuild the restaurant. But as with most new starts, nothing is certain. I don't know how long this goes on and how long we stick with it, but at least we're giving it an opportunity to, you know, to try to thrive. While Texas French bread has evolved many times from its original start, the bakery still seems like an old piece of Austin to longtime customers. Here's Jennifer and her friend Amy at the Airstream. There's something so wonderful about that 
sort of vintage Austin. And I yes. like that Texas French bread embodies that vibe. And at the same time, like we know like here it is and it's it's part of Austin changing, but here we are like rooted in this central location where Stevie Ray Vaughan played. Like that's so cool, you know. And you can start again and hold on to that feeling. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. For Ramble On, I'm Amber Williams. To close our episode, Fridos Kesrian reminds us that we don't need a new year to start fresh. But when the time for change comes, we should welcome its place in our life and wave a loving goodbye to our old self. Hello, I'm Fridos Kesrian. Welcome to New Chapters. I recently transferred from my college in Washington to begin my first year at UT Austin. I feared so many things about my new beginning, but these fears were eased by my community, including the three women who you'll hear from today. I spoke with my friend Mackenzie Nabby first. Mackenzie grew up in a small town in Texas. I mean, probably no more than 15,000 people. We do have a Walmart though, which is great. We have some major grocery stores. Last semester, she branched out of the close community she once knew to study at UT Austin. We are recording on both. Looks good. Mackenzie says it's important for us to slow down and reflect on the changes in our life. I think a lot of us go through this where when a lot of new changes happen, especially in your 20s, when you're going to college, whenever that is, I think everything moves so fast that it's hard to like have a moment to just sit down and kind of grieve your childhood. Mackenzie feels like changes are bittersweet. We have to remember that we're growing and changing and that's beautiful and good, but there are things that we're gonna miss, people we're gonna miss, and that's okay. And you know, our lives are constantly gonna be evolving. Who we are is never gonna be the same, but we take pieces of ourselves with us as we grow and move. And I think it is a beautiful thing, but it can be sad. And I think we should you know, relish in that sadness because that's the true human experience. Mackenzie says she hopes to sustain the life she's built for herself, especially with her friendships. When you grow up in a small town, like you're with these people your whole life. And you know, maybe you make new friends throughout the people you know, but you've always known them. And so I didn't know how good I was gonna be at making friends, but it turns out it's not too, not too shabby. <laughs> Mackenzie recently turned 21. And while it is a life-changing moment for most people, Mackenzie says she still feels like a teenager. That's weird to think about. I don't feel like I've aged past 17 and I don't think I'll ever feel like I have. I mean, I'm a little bit wiser and I'm definitely older, but 21, it's that milestone that everyone talks about. It's so hyped up, so I don't know. I'm not a birthday person. Like, they're fun and they're special, but I think every day can be fun and special, and I make every day about me. I spoke with my friend Melanie McDonald next. Melanie is an Austinite who for much of her life has pushed to get into UT Austin. This year marks her arrival at the destination she's longed for. When I was younger, I always wanted to come to UT, but it'd be like a financial like strain if I were to go directly into UT. And so I took community college classes before that. And as a high school senior, that's not always the easiest decision to make, knowing that you're sacrificing your freshman year experience. And I think that's something that most transfer students deal with. And I definitely learned that every 
like college experience is different and the path to success isn't always the same for everyone. I think even though I had a different college experience, I ended up being where I want to be and here I am, so feels good. Melanie recalls how much she fought to get into UT and how proud she is to have fought for her new beginning. I also knew how difficult it was to get into UT. And so just knowing that I actually made it after so long of people telling me how difficult it was and what the odds were that I wouldn't make it in, knowing that I actually made it and that I'm here, it's, it feels good. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so I feel like my eyes watering now. <laughs> for our dear listeners who are hesitant to fight for a change, Melanie has some advice for you. I would definitely tell myself to like, never give up and that nothing worth having comes easy. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is cool. Hi, Mama. <laughs> you ready? You gonna give me an interview? Let's do it. My Mama, who is known to the world as Sophia Safi, is a single mother of three. Over the past 10 years, she made shifts to support her family, transitioning from her career as a high school English teacher to a leader in corporate America. Mama has led my brothers and I through three moves in the last three years, but I think Texas will be our last move for a while. So I moved out in August of 2022 for school. What was that experience like for you? That is called the month that shall not be named because it was a hard time for me. <laughs> <laughs> Leading up to it, it was um, a feeling of loss coming up because as you know, uh, we're partners in crime and um, I prepared myself quite a bit for it. I don't even know if you know, but in Arizona, that house that you pretty much grew up in since you were what, nine or so? Yeah. When you were ready to go off to college, despite how much work I had put into fixing that home and renovating it, I couldn't imagine living in that house without you. So I was like, if she's leaving, I'm leaving. <laughs> so. And then uh, I followed you to Seattle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, you're not going to get rid of me that easily. <laughs> and then we, we both ended up in Texas, which was pretty cool, because then you ended up going to college here, too. So it, it really worked out the way it should. You know, we did everything together. So I knew that was going to come, and I just had to plan around it. We're always buddies, Mama. I know. I, like, I remember when I left, I was so worried that that you were going to have a really hard time finding new parts of yourself. <laughs> I fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> now you come home every weekend and you're like, who is this woman? You changed a lot. What's happened to my mom? Yeah, you changed. Yeah, I have. I think that I'm connecting a lot more to the person I was when I was a teen, where I had a lot more zest for life and you know, found a lot more joy and fun and enjoyment and things. Um, but I'm just at a point where I have the emotional, financial and relational freedom to do those things. So yeah, I am the 40 something year old woman going to a concert for the first time or going to learn how to do a particular dance for the first time and lots of other first times. And People ask me all the time, what do you do for fun? And honestly, I don't know the answer to that just yet, but by the end of 2023, I'm pretty sure I can give you a much more concrete answer. <laughs> What's it like for you when I come home? 
Oh, I love it. Honestly, I love it more when you're not here, not because I, I don't want you around, but it's because I know you're living your life. And that was a big thing for both of us. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted you to go to college is I, I always told you the world is so much bigger than I am. Thanks, Ben. What parts of yourself have you met? I asked my mom about the people she's met in this new chapter of her life. She told me about friends and men looking for life partners, but she was more connected with the parts of herself that she's met. My inner child and my inner teen, I've met them. Um, I nurture them. I remember them often and uh, I visualize just giving them a hug and letting them know that because they were who they were, I get to be who I am today and that they were good and worthy and um, that they were big contributors to who I am today. And that's, that's huge for me. In terms of who you are, how do you define who you are now? Well, I'm still a mom, but I use the term empty nester now, which is so weird to me um, when I'm describing my children. And um, I think the biggest thing is I don't really set the rhythm of my life to you and your brother's schedules anymore because for the longest time, your schedules dictated the rhythm of my life. So yeah, I think it's just trying to find my own rhythm now is what I'm working on. Um, now that my life is not set by the rhythm of my kids' lives. Yeah. Not that that was a bad thing. I'm not complaining. I mean, I loved it. It was, it was a privilege to be able to, you know, partake in that rhythm with you all. But now I just kind of have to find my own. We're sitting in your office right now and we're doing this this conversation. But to our right is this big whiteboard <laughs> that is filled with stuff. And every time that I've come home, it just gets more colorful and more filled with things and pieces of your life that you're you know, fitting in into who you are and who you're learning to become. It's fun, fun watching you watch, you know, accomplish all the things that you're set out to do and having fun and meeting people. It's awesome. Yeah. But I do miss you. Yeah, you too. You know? And I don't think that's a bad thing. I thought missing people for a long time was a bad thing, but it's... No, it just means... Missing only happens when there's love. You don't miss when there's no love. So you will miss to the depth of your love. I guess I'll be missing you for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I asked Mama if the new year marked a new beginning for her. Yeah, I think that we don't have to wait for a calendar marker to tell us it's time for a new beginning. January 1st is an easy way for all of us to operationalize a new beginning but new beginnings are not on any sort of time frame so I think we can have a new beginning any day that we want and we just start there. For Ramble On, I'm Ferdos Kesrian. This has been Ramble On by Drift Magazine, a student-run outdoors and environmental publication at the University of Texas. Title music by Alejandra Gavilanes. Other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Written, edited, and produced by Juliana Thompson, Amber Williams, Fredos Kesrian, Elizabeth Jimenez, and Dacia Garcia. We hope you enjoyed listening to these stories, and we hope you find your next adventure soon. Go out and try something new today. Thanks for listening.